0: Um, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 7 tonight, um, specifically looking more towards uh, verses 8 through 17, uh, but I'm going to go one-up Elias and we're going to read the whole chapter tonight. So, (laughs) uh, if you don't mind, um, I'll start reading, this is the ESV if you'd like to follow along in that version. Um, Verse 7, or chapter 7, verse 1. Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go, and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I had brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus shall, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you live and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth, and I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. In accordance with all these words, and in accordance with this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this is a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come, and this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem, to be his people, making himself a name, and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people, who you established for yourself, your people Israel, to be your people forever. Oops. Awesome things by driving out before your people, doing for them great and awesome deeds. Hold on, sorry. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth, whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name, and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house and do as you have spoken, and your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant, Now, therefore, may it please you to bless this house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. If you don't mind, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this opportunity to gather together again to worship you. Um, Lord, we have just listened to your word, and we pray that uh, it would be instilled inside our hearts that um, David's... Rejoicing in praise for what you have done uh, is in, as in true is as true in our lives as it is in His, uh, no matter what the circumstances. Lord, I pray at this time that you uh, would speak through me, that um, your word would be spoken and none of my own. Lord, uh, we thank you uh, just for this opportunity, and we pray that you would be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name, we pray by way of the Spirit. Amen. So. I don't know about anybody else, so minor pull. Has anyone been reading along through the Bible as we're going through this whole narrative? It was kind of easy early on because we spent about two months in Genesis, so you had two months to read 50 chapters, but now we picked up the pace a little bit. So. <laughs> um, if you've gotten a little bit behind, I'd still encourage you to do it because uh, it's, very, it's very interesting. The beauty of God's Word is that the more you read it, the more there is to discover in it. Um, similar to how Elias was wanting to take a fresh look at David and Goliath last week. Um, We've gotten to hear all these familiar stories, um, the creation story, Noah and the ark, all these things, Um, but hopefully you've heard it in a new light as we go through the Scarlet Thread. I realize I'm the one who gives a lot of recaps, um, but again, the whole purpose of the Scarlet Thread uh, series that we're doing is to kind of get the greater context of scripture and what it's talking about. And what these stories actually are truly pointing us towards, uh, so i 'd like to go and rehash a little bit of where we 've been uh, and how we 've gotten to this passage in second uh, Samuel, uh, but more than that uh, to see what it means for us now and what it means for us as we as we go on with our lives and so we see in chapter seven that God is a little bit surprised by david 's offer here uh, because God has never had or been offered a house necessarily, or even wanted a house. Uh, At this point in the story, God's people had always been tent dwellers. They're nomads. They traveled uh, wherever they were led. Um, But they kind of got here in a sense because of what happened at the very beginning. In the beginning, God made the world. He made this earth. He ordered it. He created a beautiful garden, and he created mankind to live in it. And he made mankind to be in his image to help order and have dominion over this world that he created. Mankind was in a perfect relationship with God. They were walking with him and doing the things that God commanded. Until that one day, they didn't. Uh, Adam and Eve ate forbidden fruit. They were cast out of the home that God had made for them, um, but it wasn't without a promise of redemption. As time goes on and man continued to break God's commands and God's heart at that, Uh, God worked out his plan of redemption by choosing a family to represent him. And now the family had its faults. Abraham made some dumb moves, some poor choices, but God was still faithful throughout it. And when Abraham finally trusted God and followed him wholeheartedly by uh, offering up his son that was the promise, uh, God counted that to him as righteousness. And he began to grow his people through this family and through that son Isaac, and then Isaac's son, Jacob. And then, as we remember, Jacob—he was a bit of a heel. He pulled some pranks on his brother. Uh, he was taking the—he took his brother's blessing and inheritance. Uh, it's no big deal back in that day or anything. Uh, but his brother wasn't all too happy about it, and so he threatened to kill him. And so uh, Jacob ran away. Eventually, they made it up. But in that running away and the journey that led Jacob uh, to where he was able to come back and face his brother Esau. God grew him as a character, as a person. And in fact, Jacob had to wrestle God to seek God to bless him. But God was always faithful and continuing and blessing that family that he had chosen and blessing Jacob. And despite Jacob having some hard, hard times and consequences uh, for his healishness, um, it led to there being the 12 tribes. Um, as part of God's promise, uh, God kind of took the people to Egypt to, to help take care of them. Um, but after a time, they became enslaved, but he would not forget them. And so he freed them at the hands of his servant Moses. I don't know if you guys remember that guy. Nobody ever talks about Moses. Um, but Moses led his people out of Egypt to go worship God in the land that God had promised them. Along the way, God showed the people how to build A tent for him in which they could directly commune with him, that they could be in that relationship again. And he gave them the requirements in order to enter into that tent. It wasn't just a come in willy-nilly because God is holy, but he showed them how to restore the relationship. But the people were scared, and they didn't want to, and they failed, and they didn't do the things they were supposed to do. In fact, they mostly grumbled and complained, and they wanted to go back to being slaves. So another failure on man's part. But God is still faithful through this. And while the grumblers and complainers had to bear the consequences of their action, the next generation was able to enter into the land that God had promised. And so for the time, these people, God, uh, these people, God, these people followed God, sorry, um, barring a few aching moments. And God's people were able to drive out most of the people that God had called them to By God's power. Once they were there, God's tent was able to be set up in a place that everyone can go and worship him. Uh, But within one generation of Joshua leading the people into this promised land, God's people forgot what God had done and what God was currently doing for them. They failed to remove all the peoples. They fell into temptation by worshiping the gods of those people. And even worse, they kind of began a cycle of getting dominated by these neighboring pagan societies. Um, only to call out to God to save them and then falling back into temptation and being uh, overcome again. But nevertheless, God was faithful and brought about his judges to save these people and restore them time and time again and bring them back to a point where they could worship him as they were doing at the beginning. And so that happened In the story until two weeks ago in our story as we get to the point where the people of god decided that constantly being beat by their neighboring um, countries and being saved by some person that god put up every now and then wasn't going so well so they decided that they wanted one human being to come and fight for them and save them or most likely be defeated because that's what all the other nations had they had a king And so essentially God, they told God, we're tired of you saving us when we disobey and reject you. We want a king like all the other peoples uh, who you're driving out because of their sin, um, because we want to be more like them. And while this was disheartening to God, it wasn't unexpected. God still worked his plan, and he gave them a good foil, somebody to show uh, his point about why you shouldn't have a human as a king (laughs) Uh, And so we remember from Dr. Spivey's message three weeks ago that God gave people the tall, good-looking man who could fight well, and everyone thought, oh, this is great, until it wasn't. Saul was a bit of a doofus. Uh, He was supposed to find some donkeys. He couldn't even do that. Um, But (laughs) he ended up being God's man, and he was there until he had three strikes, and God took him out. Um, Saul disregarded God's commands. Uh, that he was given through Samuel by first making an author an unauthorized sacrifice. He was about to go into battle. He was needing some some help, and people were getting worried. And so he was supposed to wait till Sam, till Samuel got there. But he said, uh, "We we better go ahead and do it," and strike one. And then he uh, was supposed to go and destroy whole peoples and destroy everything of theirs um, God's command to kind of purify that that part, but uh, instead he saved what he thought was the best, and he made up a bogus story about wanting to sacrifice things to God, except God had already told him to get rid of those things. So, strike two. Then finally, uh, God had left Saul at this point. Um, he was Uh, Saul kept trying to seek God and seek his favor, but God would no longer speak to him about it. And so Saul had a bright idea at the end to seek out another means of speaking to God rather than the ways that God had designed for his people to communicate with him. And so he sought out a median to pull up Samuel so that Samuel could talk to him. Telephone's always a bad game. But he, he tried to hear from God in that way, but that was strike three. And When Samuel was speaking to Saul, he said that you're going to die tomorrow, (laughs) essentially. Um, You have failed to live up to my commands. You are not doing what it is that I called you to do. Um, Saul didn't have the heart that God desired. Despite having all the physical traits that people wanted, he wasn't following God the way he ought to. It was interesting reading through this part again. Like I said, as you read through, more things just come to mind and you find out more about what God has in store. Um, Because as I was reading in 1 Samuel 13, it actually shows that God was going to offer Saul the forever throne that we're talking about, that is in this passage in 2 Samuel. Um, But it is because Saul didn't have that heart after God um, that that possibility of being the forever line of God Uh, was no longer his. And in fact, the stories about Jonathan showed that Jonathan sought to do God's will and obey his commands. He sought God and instruction in regards to facing his enemies. He treated people with equity and kindness. He probably would have been a good king. However, it was his line, his father, that had broken God's commands. And so God had other plans all along by way of Jonathan's best friend, David. At a young age, God had anointed David to be the king of his people because God was deemed a man after God's own heart. And we see that God was with David in everything he did, up until the time he became king. Like Eliah showed us last week, David wasn't afraid of Goliath because David knew that God was bigger. Goliath learned not to talk smack to God the hard way. But even after Goliath, David became in charge of troops, and he defeated more and more of the enemies of God's people, because God was with him in whatever he did. In fact, we know that God was with him because multiple times we see God seeking God's direction for what he was doing. He would come before God to say, should I go up to this? And God said, go up. And there is actually a time where David said, should I go up? And God said, no, go behind. And so David went behind and he was successful in all that he did because God was with him. And now a quick shout out to Abigail in this story who we named our second daughter after, because she saw God was with David and all that um, David was doing. And so she blessed David and saying that God would make him a sure house. We've read that already, in fact. Um, So we see in 2 Samuel 5 that David became greater and greater because God was with him. He wouldn't have been anything if it were not for God. He would have just been a lowly shepherd, as we saw in this passage. And so we see that God has brought great success for David and peace for his people in the land that God had given them. David has defeated or is working on defeating the peoples in the land that God wanted out. And so David gets to thinking, I have a really nice house, but God is in a tent. Something's not right here. So David offers to build God a house, which is another interesting tidbit I picked up as we were reading through this. Um, It's actually the part about David dancing before uh, God just before this passage. Many of us might know that story about him bringing back the ark and him dancing undignified. Um, but what stood out to me uh, with how sold out for God he was. That's a phrase that they use a lot for some of the more modern pastors, how sold out you are for Jesus. Uh, or maybe that's 10 years ago. I'm kind of out of the loop. But let me read this short little part for you I, I, that I found super interesting. Um, so they've returned the ark. Um, to the city of David, and um, he is dancing before it in nothing but a linen garment, basically his underwear, and uh, his wife, the daughter of Saul, uh, is calling him out saying, you're unashamed, you're you're shamelessly uncovered and uh, vulgar and all this stuff. And so um, David's response, starting in uh, chapter 6, verse 21, says, David said to Michelle, excuse me, Uh, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel and the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes, but by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor." As a young man, I definitely would have cared about how the ladies would have thought of me if I were dancing in the streets naked. Uh, But moreover, if I was in front of the people who I was supposed to be in charge of, I definitely would have been embarrassed. But you see, David's only concern was celebrating the Lord and who he was. All he cared about was celebrating before God, and it didn't matter what anybody thought. His heart was fully set on God. And he's fully set on God at this point, and there's nothing greater. To David than being in the right relationship before God, and so as we get back to this passage in uh, chapter seven, as we look at this forever throne that God is promising to David, uh, we see that David's desire is to do something for God, and he, which led to God giving David the old switcheroo. God continues His plan of redemption for His people by switching up the idea that David would build a house for God by. God building a house for David and establishing a throne forever. He promises to make David's name great and provide rest from his enemies. More than that, David won't be allowed to build the house for the Lord, but instead God will raise up one of David's offspring to build a house for the Lord. He will establish his kingdom forever, as we see in verse 13. But then we get to a really interesting part in verse 14, which God says that he will be like a father to this offspring, and the offspring is like a son. might sound familiar. Many of us know the story of the Bible, and while this is a refresher going through some of these passages, um, I'm going to throw out some spoilers that Solomon, David's son to come, um, he is the one who builds the temple. Uh, But we also know that Solomon fails to follow God wholeheartedly, and at the end of his life, he's drawn astray by his thousand women in his life. Uh, we see in verse 14 that God will discipline this son with the rods of men and the stripes from the sons of men. But as we know for Solomon, uh, he wasn't necessarily beaten at the end of his life or anything like that. Um, so that's not what took place for his life. Uh, but God reiterates that God, that David's throne will be established forever. So again, spoilers, but just a few chapters later, we see that David also departed from God's will. And so he wasn't perfect in following God. That whole bath scene didn't go the way that David was hoping. God sends Nathan, the prophet, to tell David that violence will not depart from his house. So despite having the throne, there is still uh, violence to come and hardships. And thinking about Solomon, well after his death, um, his son actually was more severe on the servants, and it ripped the kingdom in two. While there were those that did the will of God in the northern kingdom to bring judgment on others, it was really only the kings in the southern kingdom of Judah in the line of David that actually followed God somewhat wholeheartedly, and that was maybe a quarter of them. Um, so as the scarlet thread is running through the bloodline of David, because we see this throne is, is through him, we wait until the New Testament, um, until we meet a man by the name of Jesus. Hopefully you've heard of him. Uh, Matthew 22, he's in a discussion with some Pharisees, uh, and it, he asks them, "Who is whose son is the, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah? And they respond by saying, well, he's the son of David. So a little bit of inception here. Jesus quotes us from one of David's Psalms. So David, in God's spirit, talking about Jesus, when Jesus is asking who the son of David is, who is the Messiah very (laughs) very tricky. And so what Jesus says is, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And so Jesus stumps these Pharisees by saying, how can David, speaking in God's spirit, call his offspring his Lord? But as we continue in this scarlet thread, we see that Jesus is this offspring that God promises. We see that Jesus establishes God's reign on earth as it is in heaven. He's bringing God's kingdom as he preaches. We see Jesus being God's son, both in position and in relation. Uh, he is God's firstborn. He has that privilege and position like Esau would have had if Jacob had not taken his, his blessing and things like that. Jesus has those blessings. He is the firstborn of God. Uh, he is the son of God, but he is also God. We see God's love never departing from Jesus, even when he is being beaten by rods when he's given the stripes by the son of men. We see that Jesus is bringing about God's home in a way like never before. Instead of God living in a tent, instead of living in a building or anything like that, God's own spirit comes to dwell in his people so that they can have that relationship with him that was designed for them from the beginning. So what do we take from all this? Often we might look to characters in the Bible as role models, uh, it's fascinating. In that intro video, it talks about how sometimes we might see ourselves as David or want to be as David, but we're just the people of God. We're the ones in the background, but we're often scared <laughs> um, because we fail. And I hope that you see, as we go through this, this scarlet thread throughout Scripture, this, this consistent narrative, uh, this context, that almost all of God's people are flawed in some way. They fall short of God's commands. And while we should seek to follow God as David did wholeheartedly without regards for what any other man might say or do or think, David was still a failure in ways. There's only one person who we should imitate in Scripture, and that is Jesus, who did follow God wholeheartedly, who did his will perfectly, who followed the commands, who was the exact image of God. He followed God's commands perfectly and sought to do God's will in everything He did. He had that right relationship with God that God had in store from us, in store for us from the beginning. He made a way to enter into that relationship with God as well. And this is why we come together to continue to build one another up to, to seek to be more like Christ, to encourage one another in this walk and this journey. And as we come to a close, Jonathan and the praise team will come back up to sing a hymn of invitation. But, like Dr. Spivey said this morning, being a disciple means wanting to be like that person you're following, and willing, and willingly coming under submission to them. Uh, for those who have committed to following Jesus, are you seeking God wholeheartedly? Are you following Him as David, or more importantly, as Jesus did? If not, which at all times or most times we're not, how can you seek him more? What needs to be cut off from your life? What is holding you back from being even more undignified before the Lord or showing contempt? Um, In what ways are you blessed by God, but have yet to return that praise to him? As David sought to build a house for the Lord, God instead built him a house. What has God blessed you with that you wish you could give unto God wholeheartedly? Uh, we're going to have pastors around who can speak to you. Um, and more importantly, if you have not made any decision to follow Christ, if you're listening online or hear this at any point in time, um, please find somebody who is a follower of Christ. We have a number and an email that you could reach if it's timely enough. Uh, but if, and when you ever hear this, are you seeking to follow God? Are you seeking to have that relationship? Um, this is a time that you can do so. This is a time that you can follow God's will if God is speaking to you. You can listen to him and do what he calls you to do. And so I find it interesting that we know who sits on the eternal throne. It's not David, it's not Solomon, but it's Jesus who comes from David. And that eternal throne lasts throughout all time. And so to close out, I want to read Revelation chapter 21, verse 1-5. through 5. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated, who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for being God on the throne. Thank you. For your love, for your mercy, for redeeming us despite our failures and our shortcomings. Lord, we thank you for the work you've done through Jesus Christ, and we pray that uh, we would live to seek to be more like him in all that we say and do, that we would um, put off our old selves, put off uh, the man that is before Christ, but to to fully put on Christ in all that we say and do, that we seek to imitate him in all our words and thoughts and actions. We pray that you'd be glorified in our lives as we go from here. We pray that you keep everyone safe as the weather changes, and we praise you and glorify you for all that you are. In Jesus' name we pray, by the way of the Spirit. Amen.